I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This podcast is an extended version of The Debaters, which may contain more mature themes. To stream the radio-friendly version of this episode, download the CBC Listen app or go to cbc.ca slash thedebaters. And thanks for listening to the CBC. Hey, Canada! The hills are alive with the sound of laughter from the home of Citadel Hill, Halifax. It's the Debater! The Debaters, where comedians fight with facts and funny, and this audience picks the winner. Now, here's a man who we think is Citadelightful, Steve Patterson! To the debaters, we are finally back here in Halifax. Yes, Halifax, a city that already has lots of transportation options, but there are plans underway for the creation of new bike lanes. This is as controversial as when someone decided to call people from Halifax, Haligonians. It's weird, you're not from Haligon. But you know what will be hella gone, hella quick? Parking spots on Brunswick Street to make space for new bike lanes. That is a hella fact. Now, it's time to meet some debaters who we think are really funny. This comic studied crafting in school and went on to earn a collage degree. It's Vancouver's Miles Anderson. Miles Anderson, there he is making his way across the stage to my left. And this comic is just the creme de la cremo. It's Cape Breton's Clifton Cremo. Clifton Cremo. There he is. Debaters, this topic is one that will echo through the generations. Is living with your grandparents a good idea? Both of our debaters have, at one point in their lives, lived at their grandparents' homes. So they bring real-life experience and a pocket full of Werther's, hopefully, to this debate. (laughs) I, myself, uh, did live with my grandpa, Carl. He lived with our family for a while when I was growing up. And I loved it because he had the best stories. He usually had a story about, uh, like, going out cow-tipping in farmer's fields. (laughs) when he was a boy, or sometimes they would stuff cow patties into car tailpipes. <laughs> just, just for fun. Or how to make the best hamburger, which is also, if you think about it, cow-related. <laughs> My gramps really knew how to milk a subject. <laughs> now, let's see if these two could come up with a once-in-a-generation debate, shall we? So... Whereas, you can provide each other mutual support and good company, be it resolved, if you can, live with your grandparents. Miles, not surprisingly, you're arguing for this. (laughs) You just gotta see them, folks. You have two minutes, starting now. Miles Anderson. 
If you are hearing this right now, you probably live with your grandparents. I lived with my grandparents for six years while I did my four-year degree, and it was awesome. <laughs> living with grandparents is so much better than living with parents. Your parents are sad and poor. But your grandparents have piles of cash from their reverse mortgage. Don't hang out with your stressed out parents. Surf the housing bubble with grandma. My grandparents were able to help me with old technology, like how to send letters. I was able to help them with modern technology, like how to pay your taxes over the phone by sending Google Play gift cards to India. I never had to buy clothes when I lived with my grandparents. My grandpa's old outfits fit me perfectly. I'd go out with my friends looking like the slickest daddy-o. One time a total square made fun of my leather pants. And I just knew he voted for Nixon. Living with your grandparents is the best because old people know how to live. Young people are always trying to prove themselves and hold on to their dreams. It's exhausting. <laughs> old people have nothing to prove and the only thing they try to hold on to is their driver's license. <laughs> Thank you. Miles Anderson with an illuminating argument on behalf of living with your grandparents. Now... Here to tell us why living with your grandparents is anything but a grand idea, let's hear from our first-timer, Clifton Cremo. Living with your grandparents is not the be-all end poverty my opponent would have you believe. Uh, I have lived with my grandmother here in Nova Scotia for the last 16 years. I am the expert in this subject. <laughs> Any house you live in with your grandparents can never be a home. Not your home, at least. Sure, you can exist there, but you better not plan that existence around touching the thermostat. <laughs> and no matter how much incense you burn, it's always going to smell like grandma's house. <laughs> I've had roommates before, and none of them have ever told me go rinse these off, and handed me their teeth. <laughs> and sure, renting has its drawbacks. Landlords, am I right? Um, but at least your landlord will never keep you from going to the gym by saying, you want to work out? There's plenty of work out in the garden. I could have lost 40 pounds by now. But instead, grandma's gained 40 hydrangeas. Being the de facto tech support for your house doesn't come with any benefits. 
Do you know how awkward it is to explain to your grandmother that the reason her computer is riddled with so many viruses is because she's been watching too many hardcore quilting videos? <laughs> You don't want to experience that awkwardness and you don't want to live with your grandparents. Clifton Cremo, ladies and gentlemen, on the problem of living with your grandparents. It is time now for the bare knuckle round. In this debate, for the ages, we're asking if it's great to live with grandparents. So show the audience your endless generation of jokes that you have searched every nook and granny for. It's grams to kid, so let the audience know everything is okay, boomer. I'm starting the old timer now. Miles, you say you lived with your grandparents for six years while you were doing your four-year degree. I'm guessing they didn't teach math at your school. Yeah, I went to music school. <laughs> The only thing they taught me was how to play Bach and how to prepare to live with my grandparents. <laughs> the rent is too high, Clifton. I don't know where else to live. If you want to save on rent, don't inconvenience your grandparents. Move to Dartmouth like everyone else. You lived with your grandparents to save money on rent. Uh, so you were taking advantage of the elderly. And, sure, I've been doing that, too. <laughs> in, in fact, I've been doing it longer. Um, <laughs> but the reason I initially moved in with my grandmother is to protect her because her house was broken into. Wow. Wow. Miles? I protect them, too. Like, uh, when I was living there, if I heard, like, a really loud noise, I'd bark. <laughs> That's the bare knuckle round. <laughs> I think we have what we need here. We are debating whether living with your grandparents is a good thing. And uh, I'm not sure whether Miles is going to talk or bark out his answers for this next section, but I'm looking forward to it. It is time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on living with grandparents brought to you by Bridge Mix. Bridge mix. When older age bridge players mix things up and swap partners. <laughs> think we can technically say it. Noisemakers ready, please. Gentlemen, here we go. According to the New York Times, more young adults are moving in with their grandparents in a trend known as what? Clifton Cremo. Being undateable. <laughs> Two points from the audience for that one. Miles Anderson. Gramping. I like that. I like that. I really like that one. Three, three points. It's known as skipped generation households. Real conversation starter out here. RaisingGrandkids.com lists important tips for when grandkids move in with grandparents, including be patient, make sure they have space for their things, and don't fret about what? Clifton? How often they ask for power of attorney. 
Three points for Clinton. The actual answer is, uh, don't fret about the cleanliness of the room, which is a big, makes me feel like this whole website was written by a toddler. When does Canada celebrate Grandparents' Day? Clifton. A uh, month and a half before America. <laughs> two points. Racking up the points that aren't points in this one. Miles. Uh, every Tuesday at Costco. <laughs> I would go to that. I would go to that. This is an actual thing that I didn't know existed until this. The second Sunday of September. Grandparents' Day, second Sunday of September. We would also have accepted the day before grandparents review their will. <laughs> That's the firing line, everybody. Yeah. It's just about time for our beautiful Neptune Theater audience to pick a winner. But first, here again to tell you why he'd walk 14 miles barefoot through snow to school you on why you shouldn't live with your grandparents. Let's hear again from Clifton Cremo. When you live with your grandparents, there is no privacy. You know, some days I'll come home and I'll get asked intrusive questions like, do you have diabetes? <laughs> and I'm like, um, not yet. <laughs> and my grandmother will be like, well, let's just see. <laughs> and she will pull out a glucometer. Have you ever gone to see your grandmother and gotten stabbed? <laughs> I have, multiple times. The worst part about it is that she doesn't even have diabetes herself. She just bought a glucometer. Probably Tuesday at Costco. Uh, I can't say no because she's not charging me rent. Um, I guess she's charging me a couple of drops of blood per month. Maybe she's going to clone a better grandson. You know, one who's not going to make fun of her on CBC radio. Thank you, thank you. Clifton Cremo, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Excellent work. Now, here to tell us why he thinks living with your grandparents is an idea that never gets old. Let's hear again from marvelous Miles Anderson. Living with your grandparents is the best financial decision. The average rent has gone up 1% since the start of this debate. <laughs> Not only can you live with your grandparents rent-free, there are even more financial perks. I remember when my grandparents left for a week, there was a crisp $5 bill on the kitchen counter <laughs> with a note that said, for gas and food. <laughs> Rent-free living is the best. It sucks needing to have a job to pay the rent. I'd rather spend my afternoons drinking beer with my grandpa and complaining about how nobody wants to work these days. <laughs> Thank you. Miles Anderson loves the idea 
of living with your grandparents. Let's see what our audience has decided. By applause, audience, up to you to pick a winner. Who agrees with Miles that a grandparent cohabitate is a grandparent prohabitate? Miles Anderson. Wow. A lot of support for Miles. And who agreed with Clifton that you living with your grandparents is just you living in an old folks' home? Clifton Cremo. It's close. That one is so, so close. We are going to give it just by a hair to Clifton Cremo. Down with living with your grandparents. Big hand for Clifton Cremo and Miles Anderson, everybody. You're listening to The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. Want to be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? Let's do this! This comic's massive collection of vinyl albums made the Guinness World Book of Records. It's Simon Rakov! Simon Rakov! There he is, the amazing Simon Rakov. Hey, Steve. Hello, sir. Welcome back. And this comic's sad attempt to make German deli meats went from brat to worst. It's Deborah Kimmett! Deborah Kimmett! Another of our favorites. Welcome to you both. Hello. Your topic is one that we think will be a real page-turner. Comic books and graphic novels, are they literature? Slight intrigue from the crowd here. (laughs) Very slight. The 2022 best-selling graphic novel called Ducks was written by Kate Breton's Kate Beaton. Yeah, Kate Breton's Kate Beaton. The roots of these kinds of books run deep in Canada because one of the first big comic book heroes, Superman, was co-created by an American and a Canadian. True story. And it's pretty easy to tell which aspects each of them brought to the character. Superman's strength and might, totally American. Canada's contribution, Clark Kent. Polite, mild-mannered, doesn't let you know he's anything special. But the X-ray vision is confusing because it's technically the Superman part, but that comes from universal healthcare, doesn't it? And that's Canadian. Yeah. Time now for a debate that we hope is super. So, whereas they are winning major literary awards, be it resolved, comic books and graphic novels should be considered literature. Simon, you're arguing for this, please. You have two minutes, starting now. Simon Rakoff. This issue is very personal to me uh, as a Jew. Uh, (laughs) Since all of the superheroes are Jewish. Uh, 
You didn't notice? <laughs> Look at the names. Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. Come on. <laughs> it's obvious. Maybe you weren't aware. I, I don't know. I know that Halifax has a large and close-knit non-Jewish community. Um, <clears throat> look, I would say that beyond being considered literature, comic books and graphic novels are the greatest form of literature. People might argue that they lack the depth of a great novel. Well, if a picture is worth a thousand words, then your average comic book is as long as War and Peace. A graphic novel is the complete works of Dickens. Combining pictures, narrative, dialogue, and thought bubbles, a comic panel is able to compress a complex series of ideas into a tiny space. As Batman is punching the Joker, the narration box tells us how angry he is. The speech bubble fills in the dialogue, and the thought balloon lets us know that Batman is worried a teenage sidekick in rubber suit might be sending the wrong message. <laughs> There is no other medium that can do all that. They have all the elements of movies without the time constraints. All the elements, critics might ask? What about sound? They even have that. Comic book aficionados know that the sound of Wolverine's claws extending is snicked, S-N-I-K-T. <laughs> Spider-Man's web shooters go thwip. <laughs> and when Electro fries his opponents, shikasits. <laughs> Even though literary classics might satisfy my opponent's snob appeal, no kids are dressing up as Captain Ahab for Halloween. <laughs> There's no run on Holden Caulfield costumes, no matter how many copies of Catcher in the Rye are sold. Face it, comics and graphic novels rule. Yes! Simon Rakoff, on behalf of graphic novels and comic books, now here to tell us why, if she ever resorts to reading a comic book or, God forbid, a graphic novel, it will be a dark night of the soul for her, <laughs> it's Deborah Kimmett. Graphic novels are to literature what air quotes are to radio. <laughs> Now, some might say pictures help a reader understand the premise faster. If you want to understand a premise faster, just read the jacket cover, like I do, about an hour before book club. <laughs> Does everything need to be fast? Even the word literature is now called lit. Literature says... <gasps> I'm just about to dive into a different world and go slow, where you retreat into the ideas about the characters you imagine, only to be disappointed when the movie comes out. <laughs> Let me say this. When a person is not that bright, what do we say? We say, hey, what do you want me to do? Draw you a picture? Graphic novelists say, I guess so, dummy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I see my picture book loving opponent is a bit confused. Let me explain this for you, Simon. <laughs> At Christmas dinner, I put my turkey and mashed potatoes on one side of the plate and my beets on the other. Because is there anything worse than when the beet juice runs into your potatoes? 
Yes, there is. A picture of beet juice running into your potatoes. So keep your words over here and your beets and your pictures over there, Simon, because when they mix, it's not literature, it's borscht. Deborah Kimmett. Yeah. Them there is fighting words, literally. It is time now, everybody, for the bare knuckle round. We're debating whether comic books and graphic novels are literature. So let me outline a novel idea for you two comics that we booked. <laughs> Try to burst your opponent's speech bubble while sticking to a powerful argument. <laughs> it's time to dive into the dead pool and yell until your lips are chaptered now. I think, I think the problem here is, is quite simple. I mean, literature is books, is comic books, is graphic novels. You're just a snob. Yes. That's really what it comes yes, down yes, to. Yes, yes, I am. I, I am. <laughs> but I just say if you've got a very nice command of the English language, you don't need to be pretentious. Like Ogden Nash, he was a poet. He said things that were silly, like, candy's dandy, but liquor's quicker. <laughs> He didn't need to have candy licking anything to spell it out for people. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying words are the command of the written page. <laughs> you sure you sure you don't want to draw a, a picture? <laughs> I was taken over by a bot. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, the thing is, you're dismissing a medium. It's like, I, I know opera's not for me, but that doesn't mean I go, this is crap, they can't sing. I am not dismissing the whole medium. I'm just saying that I think the very word literature comes from lee, which is to read, or lit, which is to set on fire, and that's what you should do with anything that's a comic book or a graphic novel. <laughs> I don't know, man. You remind me of every mother who threw out all the kids' comic books that if she'd hung on to them, they'd be millionaires. <laughs> it's your attitude keeping them poor. No, I would not throw those out. I sold them and bought a really good book. <laughs> <laughs> that's the bare knuckle round, everybody. It is time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on comic books and graphic novels brought to you by Iron Man Brand Irons. <laughs> Iron Man Brand Irons. <laughs> Buy one now and receive a bonus bottle of Robert Downey Fabric Softener. <laughs> <laughs> Included in the Toronto Star's four new graphic novels that will make you picture the world differently is a book called Brooklyn's Last Secret. What was that about? Simon. It was about 45 bucks after taxes. <laughs> Not bad. Two points. Deb Kimmett? Well, it was the follow-up book to Victoria's Secret. <laughs> I didn't know that. That one I read. <laughs> 
Brooklyn's last secret was about the tour bus tales of Major Threat, a rock band in search of a big break. What? <laughs> Deb is My thinking God. out loud now. We're actually inside Deb's head. In 2022, a school district in Oklahoma banned all graphic novels on what basis? Deb. That they were books. <laughs> Incorrect, but the crowd here has given you three points. (laughs) Simon? It's Oklahoma, where reading time is farming time. (laughs) Well said, too. Crowd getting into it. We found the sweet spot. Make fun of Oklahoma. (laughs) The actual answer is a school district in Oklahoma banned all graphic novels on the basis that one parent accused them of being pornography. And I guarantee that parent doesn't know how to spell pornography. (laughs) That's the firing line, everybody. It is almost time for our Neptune (laughs) Theater audience to rise from the sea and pick a winner. But first, here to tell us why the last man she would ever date would be someone who reads comic books, it's Deb Kimmett. If you put oats and water together and put it in a Tetra pack, some people call it oat milk, but it's not real milk. Real milk comes from somebody's mammary. Oat milk is just diluted porridge. I'm just saying that if an author puts words and pictures in a container called a book, doesn't qualify it for literature. In fact, the very definition of the word literature means it stands the test of time. Will Captain Underpants stand the test of time? No, he won't. Speaking of underpants, everyone in the audience, just close your eyes for a second and imagine the word underpants. What do you see? Some of you see me in granny pants. Some of you see Simon in his tidy whites. But literature lets you figure it out. Your imagination figures out what the words mean to you. While comic books and graphic novels might be nice, but they have people like my opponent stuck in a teenage boy fantasy. (laughs) Where good literature is like me. An older woman who will not only keep you up all night, but might teach you a few things. Deb Kimmett, ladies and gentlemen, bringing it all home, having a virtual smoke. What a great closing argument. That took us on a real journey. Great visualization exercise. Right in the middle of it, some men here still have their eyes closed. Here again to encourage us to turn the page on graphic novels and comics and start treating them like the legit literature that they really are. Let's hear again from Simon Rakoff. Very compelling closing there, by the way. Uh, But hitting on me is not going to help you win. (laughs) 
Face facts. All the top movies are based on comic books. If superheroes aren't your thing, the world of graphic novels is rich in depth and scope. Watchmen was on Time Magazine's list of the best 100 novels of the 20th century. Or check out Persepolis, a young woman's account of her life in Iran being turned upside down overnight when the Islamic State took over. Or read Art Spiegelman's Mouse, a Holocaust memoir using anthropomorphic mice and cats to represent the oppressed and oppressors. You want a concrete example of literature? This year's Canada Reads winning book was Ducks, a graphic novel about the oil sands. Yeah. It was championed by Jeopardy champ Matea Roach. Are you saying... Are you saying you know more than future Prime Minister Matea Roach? <laughs> That's not possible. Illustrated literature is not less, it's more. Simon Rakoff, everybody. Simon Rakoff on why graphic novels and comic books should be considered literature. Thank you, Simon. There you have it, audience. It is up to you to pick a winner. By applause who felt that they were drawn in by Simon's novel, yet black and white argument in favor of comic books to be enjoyed as literature, Simon Rakoff. Okay. They like Simon. They like what Simon said. And who agreed with Deb when she said, graphic novels as literature, not on my watch, man. Deb Kimmett. Very close. Very close. What is it? What is it? It's inconclusive. We have a tie. Simon and Deb, we're not sure yet. Big hand for Simon Rogoff and Deb Kimmett, everybody. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Steve Patterson saying to all the graphic novelists out there, keep picturing your success. I'll argue with you again soon, Canada. Good night. The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Josh Bailey, Graham Clark, Chloe Edbrook, and Nicole Callender. With continuity by Graham Clark, Diana Francis, and Gary Jones. Technical production by Pat Martin and Larry Walker. Story editing by Gary Jones. With special thanks to Katie Ellen Humphreys and David Pride. Executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. And thanks to everyone at the Neptune Theatre in Halifax. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.